Today we're serving up more of Patrick Madrid. We've got some news from the great Southland of the Holy Spirit, got some feedback, and I want to talk about the Men's Day of Prayer. It's going to be a full show. Stick around. Let's talk about it. Houston, we have a problem. Habemos papan. Podcasting from a parking lot in the Woodlands, Texas, it's the Catholic Hack with Joe McLean. Take this, all of you, and eat it. This is my body, which will be given up for you. 1 Peter 3.15. Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. Take this, all of you, and drink from it. This is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. It will be shed for you and for all, so that sins may be forgiven. The Church of the Living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. 1 Timothy 3.15 Do this in memory of Welcome back to the Catholic Hack. I'm Joe McLean, and this is episode number 66. Today we're going to finish up our conversation with Patrick Madrid from Envoy Institute, from Envoy Magazine, a world-class apologist, one of my favorites actually. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation so far. We also have uh, some reports coming in from World Youth Day down in the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. Listener Craig was so kind to uh, call in and describe his, his experience at World Youth Day down there in Australia. So we'll be sharing that later on in the show. Also want to talk about our experiences at the Men's Day of Prayer here in Houston this past weekend on July 19th. It was a wonderful day. So I want to talk about that a little bit towards the end of the show. So we've got a lot of material to cover, a great show lined up for you. So let's get started. Let's begin with a prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father in heaven, we come before you and we praise you. You alone are worthy of praise. You alone are the most holy. The one and glorious God who created all things, including us. We thank you. Oh, dear Jesus, we come before you and thank you for all these graces and gifts that we have in our lives, even the ones we don't even recognize and give you credit for. We praise you for those. We seek your strength to walk with you, to keep our eyes fixed upon you. We ask for the strength to become saints, saints on earth, to glorify your name, to preach the gospel by the way we live our lives. We ask for this, for the grace to become holy, to live as you have asked us to live, to live as you live, to love as you love, to forgive as you forgive, to have mercy as you have mercy, For this grace is the grace that we desperately need to walk in your ways. And so we pray and ask you for this. And I especially lift up the listeners of this podcast and ask that you bestow your grace upon them and reveal to them that you are their father and you love them. Give them the grace to rest in your joy, to come home to your holy Catholic church and to praise your holy name. I praise you and I thank you for all these gifts, all your love and all your joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. We got a wonderful show, like I said before, lined up, ready to go. So let's get started. Let's roll up our sleeves. Let's dive deep. 
Let's get into the truth with Patrick Madrid. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! This cool when I sit, even just a little bit. I get hit with the power that made the veil in the temple split. When I submit, fall on the floor and the door. Can't get enough, got to come back for some more. Hey, we've got a problem here. every I'd say they're just to interrupt you for a second. I'd say they're also timely in this latest issue. There's an article in there about the, the seamless garment uh, concept among Catholics. And it it was very timely because I had a debate with a a fallen away Catholic only a few weeks ago about this very issue. We were discussing um, in some points quite heatedly, but discussing, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the, the possible presidential candidates and, and all of these issues, and, and he was quite hung up on uh, equalizing issues such as abortion to the loss of life in Iraq. And um, so this, this this article helped me to further understand where this, this gentleman is coming from and, you know, and giving me some of the background of, of his, uh, his thought on that. And the next time I encounter him, I'll be that much better at being able to provide a, a more reasonable response as to why as a Catholic, I must uh, keep abortion first and foremost in my lo- in my mind over you know the innocent loss of life in Iraq, for example. You raise an important point and Envoy, you're right, Envoy is trying to address that to help enlighten the readers so that they can do the right thing in a ballot box. Uh, a lot of these problems that we find ourselves in have to do with uh, atrociously bad voting choices, mm-hmm. and um, so although Envoy Magazine is in no way partisan, we don't represent or right. we're not interested in party politics at all. I know that I personally am not, and um, I set the tone as the editor. So there's nothing to do with left, right, you know, front, back, uh, any political party, but rather, you know, what does God want us to do? And, and through the Church, how can we learn the principles of, of uh, morality so that we can vote accordingly? and vote for what is right versus what's expedient. And um, you, raised, you raised that issue about um, uh, you know, the seamless garment. The, the thing that people need to, to understand is that um, there are some things that are always and everywhere, under every circumstance, always evil. Abortion is one of them. Abortion is, is a form of murder. And... Uh, it is always and everywhere wrong. So there is no situation under which abortion could ever be acceptable or accepted by a Christian. Uh, the same would be true for certain other moral moral actions. You know, homosexuality would be another another issue that is always and everywhere wrong. Right. And and I'm talking about deliberate homosexual activity. I don't. I'm not referring to someone's orientation, which is not sinful at all. I mean, that's just. It is what it is. You know, they right. have an inclination, and that's something that they have to to um, live with and to to uh, seek God's grace to assist them. 
But I'm talking about deliberate homosexual activity. The church is clear that that's always and everywhere wrong. There is no circumstance under which you could say, okay, well, in this situation, it's okay. Right. But there are things such as war, taxes, um, things like immigration issues and how to handle illegal immigration, Death capital penalty, punishment. Yeah. And those things are not in, in and of themselves intrinsically evil. So although war is a terrible thing and war is an evil, there's no doubt about it, right. there are times in which you must go to war. Let's say that your country is being attacked by an unjust aggressor, and uh, you have to go to war to defend your family, to defend your your very country against being destroyed. Take a look at France in World War II or Poland in World War II. Poland was a Catholic country that was brutally attacked by Nazi Germany. Well, right. the Polish Catholic troops went to war to protect their country. They lost, but they, they did the right thing. Right. And the reason I'm going to, to this level of explaining it is because I think what many people perhaps are not aware of is that things like a war can be debated and discussed by people of goodwill, and, and different conclusions can be drawn, and and we have to understand that those things are not always and everywhere wrong, that, which is why, to make your point, uh, it, it is wrong, it is, it is incorrect, let's say, to equate war with abortion right. or to equate illegal immigration with abortion. They, right. They're simply, they do not have the same moral weight. And it's that understanding, uh, to kind of get a clearer understanding mm. that we're trying to accomplish in the pages of Envoy. Yeah, and so I really appreciated that article. Um, it was like I said, very timely, and I think that's that. that's one of the uh, that's one of the the pros from from your work in the Envoy magazine is the articles are relevant to today. Uh, each and every oh, each and every magazine is chock full of uh, all kinds of material. It's a vast array too. So h- how do you go about choosing the topics from one article to the next? Well, uh, I have I have the benefit of having many wonderful articles submitted to me at Envoy. So we have a lot of good articles to choose from, and unfortunately we can't even use all the good ones that <laughs> that are sent to us. We do have certain issues that we want to to uh, focus on. So uh, from time to time there will be a uh, particular article that I will ask a writer to write. A good example would be in our, our last issue, which is Volume 7.6, uh, we had an article by Tim Powers, who's an award-winning science fiction novelist, and many people who are into science fiction will know his name, Tim Powers. Um, he wrote a, a very good article called Losing My Religion. I asked him to write it because it, it had to do with something that is going on all over the place, and that is Catholic young people, they leave high school Catholic, yeah. and they enter college Catholic, and they exit college four years later as atheists or agnostics. And we wanted to know why does that happen? What are the dynamics in college that lead people out of the Catholic Church? And so he wrote a brilliant article called Losing My Religion, in which he lays it out, and he explains what the specifics of that process are, and he brings to bear his own experience, because he was one of those people who went into college as a Catholic and left as an atheist. Mm. So And now he's back in the Catholic Church, thanks, thanks be to God. But he has a great perspective on this, and he can really shed a lot of light. So we do, from time to time, uh, assign articles to really great writers, and uh, we've been really fortunate so far. We've had many wonderful writers writing for Envoy. Yeah, that's really cool. I read that article, too. It was very, very, very well done. You've been spotlighting many new uh, – apostolates and ministries in your magazine too and I really wanted to say I appreciate that you have um, your 
helping other ministries and apostolates to to become better known and and hopefully increasing their ministry for Christ. So thank you for that too. Oh, you're very welcome. And I I'm I think of all the ways in which other kind people have done things out of their kindness to help envoys. So it's the least we could do to return the favor by trying to spotlight other Catholic apostolates. And you know the old saying is very true. I believe in that is that the rising tide lifts all the boats. So <laughs> the more that we have vibrant Catholic apostolates out there thriving, the better it is for the whole church. Praise God. So let's talk about Envoy Institute. Now, you've started this at the Belmont Abbey College, and uh, talk to us what this is about. Who who attends the this institute? What is this geared for? Yeah, so the Envoy Institute of Belmont Abbey College is uh, a new venture that's uh, an alliance between Envoy Magazine and Belmont Abbey College, which is a wonderful uh, venerable Catholic school. It was uh, launched by Benedictine monks uh, shortly after the U.S. Civil War, and uh, ever since the mid-1870s, there's been an abbey and a college on the site that it's located on. It used to be a slave plantation oh, wow. during the Civil War, or prior to the Civil War, and uh, it, it seems like an odd place to have a strong Catholic presence, but there it is. And so for for all these years, Belmont Abbey College has been educating many of uh, uh, leaders of, uh, of industry and, and uh, commerce and the government and so forth. And uh, although they're not terribly well-known outside of their area, I think that's about to change, partly because they have a new abbot, a new president, and, and several other key people on staff there who are strongly promoting orthodoxy and uh, a vibrant Catholicism. Praise God. Uh, even though the, the student body, although it, I believe the the majority is Catholic or close to it, it may not even be a majority of Catholics, there's a very strong Catholic presence there, but there are quite a few non-Catholics who go there. And um, so it, the, the new abbot and uh, the new president are really making great strides in promoting uh, what I would call a, a vibrant and, and uh, a very... Uh, a very I, I think the best word to describe it really is that it's a Catholicism that's lived. Mm. It's not just Catholicism on paper. And so I'm very pleased to be associated with their goal, and Envoy was a way to help try to promote that goal. And uh, they also believed in the mission of Envoy. So it's a way that we can support each other mutually. And one of the ways to do that concretely is through the Envoy Institute. And the Envoy Institute is designed to, in addition to producing and promoting Envoy magazine. It also, uh, we conduct summer programs of two to three weeks for rising high school seniors and even college freshmen who will come several hundred at a time to the campus of Belmont Abbey College, Mm. and they'll receive specialized training in apologetics, evangelization, Catholic leadership skills, scripture study, um, how to avoid the common moral pitfalls such as pornography and binge drinking and casual sex and things like that, how to maintain your chastity and prayer life and those things. So we have uh, a bunch of very effective, uh, in many cases very well-known, Catholic speakers come in to speak to them. The first of these events is going to be held this summer, the summer of 2008. Mm -hmm. And so these kids will go away, not just having had a college experience, which they can get at any Catholic college, and not just having two or three weeks of you know fun and playing volleyball and doing things. They can get that at any Catholic college. The one thing they can't get anywhere else but at the Envoy Institute of Belmont Abbey College is a, a takeaway, as they say, where they leave the program with new skills, new, uh, new 
new information that will enable them, whether they go to Belmont Abbey College for college or they get married or enter the workforce, whatever it is they do, they're going to be far better prepared to, to do those three things I talked about earlier, to explain their faith more intelligently, to spend it more charitably and share it more effectively. We could add to that to live it more lovingly. Uh, they're going to be far more better prepared, and they won't be prone to being statistics. Mm. Kids who go to off to college and then leave as uh, basically as functional pagans, you know, that yeah. they don't yeah. have any belief in God at all. We're seeking to try to, to stem that tide. And even though it's just a few hundred here, a few hundred there, uh, we think it's a very important process that will take time to build, but eventually we'll have great results. Now, a second part of all this is that we're also gearing up to start our training programs in apologetics and scripture study, critical thinking skills, etc., for working adults, oh, where they can come for a long weekend, and they can listen to some of the greatest Catholic uh, speakers and authors and academics and thinkers uh, that are available today. They can come, say, on a Thursday and go home on a Sunday, and they'll get <laughs> to use another popular term, they'll get a brain dump, and uh, you know they will they will be given a tremendous amount of information in a short period of time. But that's going to help them go back to their own parishes, their own homes and communities, mm-hmm. and to be able to start replicating this knowledge so that they can help at the local level. I'm glad to hear that because I got to be honest. I have to make a confession here. The first time I heard of the Belmont uh, Abbey College and the Envoy Institute, I was a bit jealous. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is geared for kids. What about me? <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, you're right. I've been and, wanting. And we, a... we won't leave. We won't leave the old folk out. We're gonna. We're gonna <laughs> do good. that. Uh, that program, as I said, for working adults. So oh, uh, we're trying to cover all the bases, and um, I would certainly ask your listeners to keep. Envoy and the Envoy Institute in their prayers and ask the Lord to to bless this work if this is his will for it. I think it's something that can do a lot of good for the Church. One way concretely that they can help Envoy, of course, is to become a subscriber. Mm. And um, if you'd like, I'd be happy to tell people how they can subscribe. Yes, please do. Great. Well, uh, we certainly would love to have them subscribe. The easiest way is just to go to the website, envoymagazine.com. It's all one word. Envoy is spelled E-N-V-O-Y, envoymagazine.com. All the particulars are there. Um, if they're interested in getting a sample issue so they could test drive Envoy and see what they think, we'll give them a free issue of the magazine plus a free book, and um, we just ask that they pay the shipping. This is for people in, uh, in uh, the United States, so with a U.S. mailing address, postal rates being what they are, we can't offer this free copy to people in Canada and, and elsewhere just because of the exorbitant price of shipping. But if you're listening in the United States, just go to EnvoyMagazine.com, and you can sign up to get a free uh, copy of the magazine and the book. You can also subscribe there, and uh, we certainly would like to encourage subscriptions and even gift subscriptions for that matter. And if people would like to call, they can call us at 800-55-ENVOY, 800-55-ENVOY, and uh, that's the other easy way to get a hold of us. Oh, that's awesome. You know, one of the things I really like about you and your personal style in apologetics and discussing and fielding questions on the radio and and debates and elsewhere is that you're so even-tempered. I mean, I don't know how you do that. When I'm in a debate, 
I, I pull out my Catholic bat and I start swinging. I mean, I can't help myself. That's why I'm, I don't think God's called me to it, either that or he's calling me to greater patience. I just haven't learned my lesson, which I'm sure the latter is true. But did you always have this even-temperedness or did you have, is this a skill you had to acquire? Thank you for, for the kind compliment. I don't see it in myself. Sometimes we are the last people to see our own defects uh, or perhaps even some of the good things. But I don't think I'm particularly different from anyone else. I, if anything, maybe I'm aware of how important it is to, to try to be uh, even-tempered. And I'm not always successful at doing it. I can, I can admit that. And, and there are times when maybe outwardly I might appear calm, but inwardly I'm irritated. <laughs> and uh, maybe part of the solution for all of us is that we have to prayerfully when we approach these situations just ask the lord lord you know i'm not here to beat this person at an argument i know that you don't want me to make him say uncle or any of those things <laughs> the, the goal is how can i communicate the truth in a way that he'll hear in a way that he will understand and when we approach other people if we have that sense of of on the one hand docility toward god and docility toward his plan for that person so that it doesn't become our project, but we're simply helping God with, with his project. Mm. Um, that's important. But the other thing, too, is that we have to really strive to be uh, to be friendly, genuinely friendly, and genuinely patient, and genuinely charitable. I think people can spot a phony, and if they see somebody who's simply just trying to win an argument or is just waiting for him to stop talking so he can come back with his own counter-argument, I don't think a lot of good can be done there. So for better or for worse, I'm struggling in that direction to try to be as uh, patient as I can. And I think it's something all of us can do. We just have to apply ourselves to it. Yeah. Now, what what advice can you give me and other aspiring amateur apologists about what what kind of skill sets do we need? What what traits should we possess besides patience and and um, charity towards others? I guess I would begin by saying the most fundamental thing is love of God. If we really and truly love God, and that would be a love characterized by by prayer. And, and I don't mean haphazard prayer, but but prayer every day, even prayer throughout the day, being in the presence of God, realizing that we are on our way to our own uh, day of judgment. And as Scripture tells us, Jesus was very clear. He said, to whom much is given, much will be required. And uh, I shudder when I think of other teachings that he gave, such as, I solemnly assure you that even every idle word you utter, will, you will be called to account for. Mm. So I think the first step in, in the direction, uh, and here again, let me just say, I, I am not holding myself out as a paradigm or an example of how to be a good person in this area. I'm, I myself am trying to do what I'm about to tell you. So. Right. Don't look at me. <laughs> Let's look at the great saints as examples of what I'm trying to tell you. But th- it's that it's that it's that love for God that will manifest itself in frequenting the sacraments, a, a, a serious prayer life, and um, seeing one's mission in life as not only trying to get to heaven, God's grace, of course, but also doing everything possible to help other people to get to heaven. That's the most fundamental thing. Yeah. Without that, not all the book, 
learning and all the other stuff will be at best uh, irrelevant. At worst, it could be very counterproductive because if you have a lot of book learning in the hands of somebody who does not love God, it can be destructive. Mm. The second thing would be we have to prepare, and intellectually we have to prepare. Uh, some people are not able to get a degree or they're not able to do formal study, so by all means they should be reading Scripture, they should be reading the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the Lives of the Saints. Uh, I'd love to recommend all kinds of books that are out there, and if people are doing some type of, of that reading every day, um, it's going to be very good for them. Mm-hmm. Those who have the time or the temperament or the ability to uh, to do something more formal, I recommend don't be uh, an amateur apologist any longer than you have to be an amateur apologist. If you have the ability to get credentials in in areas that are very important, such as philosophy and theology, to uh, study Scripture on a more formal basis, to, um, to to be exposed to the writings of the Church Fathers and so forth, in some more formal way. If you can do it, do it. I, I strongly recommend it. Mm. And I say that I say that knowing that not everyone can do it. Right. So it's it's not as though people are obligated to do it. But I think if you really want to be effective and sharp as an apologist, you need to have that training. The, one of the things I've noticed is that over the years there are a lot of people, even a few. I hate to say this, but even a few well-known people out there who, because they never really have had any training right. in in these fields, they can sometimes put their foot in it and right. cause a lot of problems for themselves. I've seen that happen mm. even just in, in the last year or so. So you have to be careful there. Then the last thing I would say is that uh, practice makes perfect. So if you want to be, uh, I'm not speaking necessarily about you directly, Joe, but <laughs> sure, if sure, wants sure. Yes, yeah, so if you want to be a good apologist, do apologetics. Right. Um, practice, practice, practice. Uh, find out what are the, the the approaches that are effective, what are the questions that are helpful, what are the answers that really scratch the itch, and the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. And so ideally, if there's a combination of that that Christian authenticity that I talked about at first, plus uh, some good solid preparation, uh, whether it's formal training or not, and then lastly, practice. That's really the kind of the trifold uh, approach that I've discovered seems to work very well. And when people do that, um, really God can, can make much, much more effective use out of them. You know, for me personally, just to share a little bit of my own little journey here, um, I felt called to do this podcast. Um, and I really listened and honed into people such as Archbishop Fulton Sheen, as well as many just different pastors and their homilies repeating over and over again that we were given certain gifts at our baptism and in our confirmation from the Holy Spirit that we are to we are then obligated to use and we don't have much choice we are to use these for the glory of God and whatever the gifts are and not to, not to boast at all but I I really feel that God gave me the gift to share the faith yeah <clears throat> and it doesn't it's not a statement about um accuracy or competency that's a statement about a charism and so that i felt called to that and god's given me a skill set in podcasting and other areas and i'm obligated to use them and so i felt i needed to do this and but what scared me at first when i first got into doing this it's but my it made my wife a bit nervous and and me as well well i'm not a i'm not a scholar <laughs> i'm not a bible you know scholar I, I i'm not a professional apologist what if i get something wrong 
Oh boy, now that's pretty serious. And so I, I take it serious and I try to do my best when, when I'm giving an apologetic about a topic to, to do my homework first, to have competent resources such as the Catechism of the Catholic Church, you know, other apologists such as you and, uh, and Catholic Answers. And, and, I, and I try to use these resources and, and, and say what I do know. But I think it is a very serious thing for someone to, to get into apologetics and to try to share the faith and communicate the faith with someone else. If they're not going to do it right, if they're going to get at something wrong, well, they're misleading other, uh, other people. It's pretty serious. Oh yeah, I mean, and I, I think that your your realization of that is um, that's a mark of spiritual maturity because mm-hmm. you you understand that there's something. This is obviously bigger uh, than you. It's you know, kind of an understatement, <laughs> right. and it, it's uh, it's something that transcends your own uh, desire to be uh, listened to or anything, and and we. You know, we are. It's, it's very important that we understand that. You know, like the New Testament says, it says that uh, we who are teachers will have a more stringent uh, judgment. And you know, there are many people who are out there teaching who have no business doing it. Right. And I mean, I look at myself and I say, I'm just glad that God tolerates me because <laughs> there are plenty of. Plenty of more talented and more effective people out there who could be doing this, but for whatever reason, uh, God is God permits me to do it. I think all of us could do could say this about ourselves. Right. And and the thing that we we can never lose sight of the fact is that our, the judgment is more severe for those who teach. So we better take that seriously and right. not. Right be, as St. Paul says, you know, clanging, glong, clanging gongs and tinkling cymbals, but actually have the love of Jesus in our hearts. Yeah, absolutely. So we're, our time is narrowing down here, but uh, I just, uh, I'd like to, a listener uh, has asked if you could expound upon the nature of souls for animals and plants and all living creatures and how we differentiate that to the intellect of humans and if you have a second or two, just to compare that to the intellect of angels, too, that would be great. Sure, sure. I'll I'll try to accomplish in a minute or two what Saint Thomas Aquinas <laughs> wrote thousands of words, tens of thousands of words on. Um, uh, here's here here's how I would explain it. the those creatures that are alive, whether plants or animals, insects, whatever they may be. They possess a soul in the sense that they have a life principle that keeps them alive. They have a, an intrinsic internal unity. They are a cohesive whole as a thing. So in other words, a cat is more than just a, a, uh, a the sum of all of its parts. If you cut a cat in half, you don't have two cats. Right. You know, you have a dead cat. <laughs> and so there's the, the life principle that exists is a unifying life principle. It is... Uh, immaterial, and when that principle leaves that body of whatever it is that's alive, the plant, the bug, the cat, then that that animal dies because it's a vegetative soul. It's not a rational soul. It cannot live beyond the the life of that organism. When the organism dies physically, the that life principle goes away. Now, human beings are different because as uh, created in the image of likeness of God, we are both body and soul. And so 
our soul, being a, a rational soul, has the two fundamental uh, operations of knowing and loving, the intellect and the will. Mm-hmm. We know with the intellect and we love with the will. And the, the, uh, the intellect and the will, which are we would also refer to as the soul and the rational soul and so forth, that lives beyond the death of the body. Now, to be truly human, we, we are created by God to be body and soul united. It's not as though the body was a suit of clothes or a glove or something like that. It's not something that's expendable or mm. an afterthought for the soul, but the two need each other. At the end of the general judgment, we will all receive our bodies back again and will once more be truly human in the fullest sense of the word. Angels have pure spirit, and they, they have no body. There's no material component to them. And the difference in terms of their um, their soul, in terms of knowing, and ours, is that while human beings are rational, angels are intellectual. A rational being has to reason its way. So human beings, we reason toward truth. Mm. We, we make deductions and assumptions, and then we draw conclusions, and we arrive at truth through a process that we call reason. Angels are not like that. Angels are immediate. They turn to truth directly. So they turn toward a truth, and they know it completely, at least to the extent that's possible for an angel, mm. and they know it uh, immediately. So there's no process of deduction. They don't, they don't reason their way toward uh, any type of conclusions. They just know it, and they know it immediately. So uh, the, the beautiful thing about this is that here we have the spectrum of, of um, creatures going from the most humble to the most uh, sublime, and yet we're still all creatures. And what I find particularly moving is the fact that God chose to become a man, right. not an angel, not a raccoon. <laughs> and when you think about that, what that tells us, it tells us something very distinct about what it means to be human, and that is that uh, in a certain sense we are at the center of the created universe because we encompass in ourselves both the material universe and the spiritual universe. We're the only creature in all of the cosmos that encompasses both matter and spirit. And so Christ's purpose in redeeming the entire universe, the entire created order, spiritual and material, is found maximally in the Incarnation. I think that's a profound mm. thought, and I've, I have to admit, I've spent quite a bit of time thinking about that. I spend quite a bit of time thinking about that. So despite the fact that we have 99% in common with DNA and pigs, we're still vastly different in the created order. We are vastly different. That's true. We a pig is a good thing. It's a creature that is here for the service of mankind, and and uh, it pleases God by being a pig. But when that pig dies, that pig, that particular pig is gone. Uh, when that human being over there dies, he or she will live on forever. Um, and so while we share the the material aspect of our lives with uh, with a pig uh, or a monkey or pick any other example <laughs> um, that's that's about as far as that comparison can be made now would that mean that we would while we were in the beatific vision there is no animal whatsoever well in order to be in order to be in the presence of god the beatific vision it requires sanctifying grace mm. and sanctifying grace is is um the grace of God that inheres in the soul. It, 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 it is in us. It's in the soul. 
And animals, because they don't have a rational soul, much less an angelic soul, mm. they can't, they, they have no, there's no place for it. It would be, imagine uh, if you had a, uh, if you wanted to think about water, as, or if you wanted to think about grace as a, uh, a cup of, of water, let's say. And uh, you have a container that can hold a cup of water. So you pour the water in, and it's now inside the container. Well, imagine another possibility is you want to put this cup of water in a bowling ball, and you want it to be there at the center of the bowling ball. Well, you can't do it because the bowling ball is solid all the way through. It, ha it cannot contain this. There's no place for it. There's no way mm -hmm. that water can be there where, where it would be inside, let's say, a hollow uh, sphere. It's a it's a very imperfect analogy, but it might be helpful in thinking about why animals cannot uh, be in heaven because they don't have the capacity for sanctifying grace, which means that they don't have the one thing necessary to be there with God. Well, thank you very much, Patrick. I really appreciate you uh, taking on that question for us. And uh, Deborah from Dallas, Texas, I hope you've enjoyed getting a direct response from Patrick Madrid, and I'll. I'll let you know when, when that will be available to you. Well, Patrick, one last time, how, how does yeah. somebody get a hold of you? Uh, where can we get information on the Envoy Institute? Yes, well, the Envoy Institute, all that information is found at envoymagazine.com. Envoy is spelled E-N-V-O-Y, envoymagazine.com. And my personal website is patrickmadrid.com. It's Madrid like the city in Spain. PatrickMadrid.com is where you can find out about my books and CDs. And I do lots of parish seminars, so there may be some folk out there who would be interested in having me come speak at their parish, and they can get all the particulars at PatrickMadrid.com. Fantastic. Patrick, God bless you. I am praying for you and your ministry. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it very much. I can't wait. Feedback in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Cue feedback. You know, World Youth Day is a, a truly amazing event. Youth from all over the planet come together and they worship together and they have fellowship together and they see just how truly universal this beautiful church is. And Craig is sharing that with us right now. Oh, good day, Joe. Craig Wilkie from uh, Sydney, Australia. How are you going? Just thought I'd give you a quick update. Uh, headed down to uh, World Youth Day opening mass last night and that was just fantastic. That was really, really good. That was just thousands, hundreds of thousands of people there. Um, uh, flags from every country. It was just huge and and it was really, really well done. The uh, the mass was excellent. There was an orchestra there. There was choirs there. There was singing. There was dancing. Like, it was fantastic. Heaps of Americans down there and Canadians and and really, I think everyone from every country, those countries from all around the world, people were there. So it was just fantastic. So just to give you an update and let you know that it's going really well. And we look forward to um, meeting the Pope on Thursday. And I'll give you another update after that. Cheers, Joe. Hope you're well. Bye. Oh, g'day, Joe. Craig here from Sydney. How are you going? Hope you're well. Hey, listen, I thought I'd just give you a call and let you know that the Pope was in town yesterday. Uh, he was driving around in the motorcade. He was out on the boat, on the boat occasion, on the harbour. The um, the feeling in Sydney is just fantastic. It's it's like the Olympics all over again. It's just marvellous. It's really really good. Everyone's commenting on how happy and and how exciting the the, the place is outside. All the uh, all the non-Catholics and non-Christians and 
and everything like that. I just amazed at all these happy people walking around with their flags and their guitars and drums and they were singing. And, um, you know, the whole place has just got a fantastic feel about it. It's really, really cool. And, and uh, yeah, so yesterday, yesterday afternoon, the Pope uh, arrived at, um, at, the, at the big area there called Bangaroo. Um, it's basically um, just outside the Sydney CBD, so it's it's really uh, it's really close to town. You you, you can walk uh, to the heart of Sydney from from there, so it's really close to town and central to everything. It's a it's a really fantastic spot there. There's it used to be like these docks, but it's all been cleared. So there's all this all this marvelous uh, area now. It was just perfect for the for the venue. So so he arrived yesterday um, on the boat. Um, sort of stood there on the boat waving at everyone for sort of 10, 15 minutes and then was sort of slowly ushered off into the Popemobile. Again, you know, the crowd's just going uh, ballistic. The uh, the people there are just loving having him uh, in, in town. Um, and, and, and then he was uh, taken up on, onto, the, onto the altar there and, and there, was a, there was a gospel reading and then um, he, he delivered his homily. I don't know if you've, uh, if you've seen it or read it. But it's on the uh, the Vatican website. It's really uh, really in depth and really good. So have a read if you haven't. Um, yeah. So look, everything's going really well in town here. There's a big concert on uh, tonight. There was one on last night, and uh, we've got the Stations of the Cross today. So I think there'll be lots of pilgrims down there for that. And yeah, look, it's just all very exciting. So look, I'll uh, I'll give you another call probably tomorrow, and um, and fill you in. Thanks very much. Cheers, bye. Okay, Joseph Craig here from Sydney. How are you going? Look, just thought I'd call in and say that um, it's Monday now, and the World Youth Day final mass was last or yesterday, and uh, you know we all just had a gr- great time. It was really fantastic to be there. Look, there was probably well, they estimated over half a million people there at Randwick Racecourse, which is where they had the, the final mass, and. I think I'd believe them because there was just people as far as you could see, flags from every country. It was just incredible. The noise and the atmosphere was it was amazing. I didn't make it to the, um, the the Saturday night vigil. I watched that on on the telly, but uh, yeah, no, it was uh, it was just really amazing to be out there. The um, the mass was great. The atmosphere was electric. It was just really really good. It was sort of sad. It was really sad actually to um, to see it all sort of come to an end. We all Sort of uh, left left there um, in the in the afternoon and walked back to the train station and just getting back to the train station was was uh, was a drama because there were so many people that everyone just backed up and we just couldn't walk anywhere. So for uh, it took pretty much two hours to get from the uh, the, the course there to the central uh, railway station to uh, to catch a train to get home. So look. Um, you know, the whole thing was just fantastic. On Friday night, I uh, went to a, a concert there, down there at the Varangaroo, um, which is where they had the uh, papal arrival and the, uh, the, the the first mass. And they also had the Stations of the Cross down there. That's where they ended it. And, uh, you know, it was just fantastic. It was really, really good. They had Matt Mayer. Um, they had the Hillsong Band. Um, and, look, there was just people everywhere, and, and everyone was having a good time. So it was really, really good. So, look, I think the whole World Youth Day down here in Sydney has been just fantastic. It's been great for the city. Everyone's talking about it. Um, everyone's sort of scratching their heads thinking, oh, I've never heard of this World Youth Day before. Where, where does this come from? How long has this been going? Do they have it every year? People are asking questions, which is great. I think um, all the Catholics uh, have sort of come down and, and, and really sort of stood out and said, yeah, I'm Catholic. 
and I think everyone's felt a bit more a bit more confident in being Catholic down here. So, look, it's, it's just been a tremendous time. The, the weather's just been beautiful. It was a little bit overcast yesterday, but, I mean, it's, we, we really couldn't have asked for, for better weather in July in, in, in Australia. Sort of our, our, our July here will be like your January, you know, so it should be cold and miserable and, and wet and rainy and horrible, but, um, but, you know, the weather's been just nice. It's just been really, really nice, really pleasant. Blue skies during the day, cold overnight, but then, you know, it's, it's, it's been really, really good. So the whole experience has been fantastic, and I just wanted to ring you and let you know that it's going well, and um, I think everyone's probably leaving today with... Uh... Craig, I'm so sorry you were cut off there, but thank you for that awesome report from Down Under. Wow. Hey, Joe, this is Kevin Lorden from Ormond Beach. How you doing? I wanted to say uh, thanks for your podcast again. Um, just listened, uh, finished to the second part of uh, the interview with Father Chavez, and I, I just think that uh, what you're doing is, is right on point, and uh, I really relate to this, uh, the issue of, um, you know, bringing, you know, men in the leadership role, um, you know, really learning um, about stepping up to the plate and, uh, and you know, the roots in scripture, and um, I'm actually a member of the Knights of Columbus, so it's really exciting to hear what uh, Father Chavez is doing um uh, with the Knights, and I'm looking forward to the material that's going to be coming uh, soon. And, um, hey, it was a pleasure meeting you at the Catholic New Media Celebration and signing your Bible, and I just wanted to give you some voice uh, feedback and support because, man, the stuff you're doing, it is deep, and it really does cause, uh, you know, give me an opportunity to think and reflect, and um, it, it's, it's good stuff, and I appreciate it, so keep it up. And uh, I know there's a lot of us out there that uh, really appreciate what you do. So God bless. I do uh, keep you and your family uh, in my prayers. And uh, uh, take care, buddy. Bye. Hey, thanks, Kevin, for the feedback. Really appreciate that. If you want to catch Father Chavez's uh, workshops for the Knights of Columbus, you can actually get those on CDs already. I think you might even be able to download them at www.amatorleague.com or fatherchavez.com with Father spelled out. So check that out. He would be very pleased to send you that material. Kevin, it was wonderful to meet you, and I really, really appreciate how you signed my Bible. Catholic Hack News and Views. Where are you now? I'm sitting in my office. I doubt that. Why would you doubt that? If you were in your office right now, we'd be having this conversation face to face. Well, this past Saturday, July 19th, was the Archdiocesan Men's Day of Prayer here in Galveston, Houston. And it was a, a great, great event. The guys, you know, the guys and I who were on the planning committee were getting pretty nervous leading into the event. We were really hoping for a large turnout and we didn't know what we were going to get we, we tried to cast the net as wide as possible we, we tried to hit up as many parishes as we could to let everybody know we did the email blast we tapped guys on the shoulder and at our parish at St. Anthony of uh, Padua in the Woodlands, Texas we got a, a coach bus together and then we we really hit the parish hard we, uh, we ended up getting over 60 guys from our parish to come down to the event so it was just phenomenal just from our parish perspective but uh, we really did our best to let everybody know about the event and to encourage men to come out but you, you've got a couple of really big challenges 
you know, the, not the least of which is that it's July. <laughs> it's the middle of summer. People are on vacation, you know, and, and so we were pretty nervous. We didn't, we weren't sure what was going to happen or how it was going to turn out. Well, Saturday morning turns around and uh, we were, I, <laughs> we were very, very blessed. God has uh, been gracious upon us. The place was uh, buzzing. I guess that's a good word. It was buzzing with activity. And we had over a thousand guys show up. So we were very, very pleased with that turnout. And the event itself went so well. I mean, it wasn't 100% smooth. There were some timing issues. We got started a little late. The music, uh, the praise and worship started just a, about 15 minutes late. So that put us back a little bit in the first keynote speech, which was Father Chavez's speech. So I was a little nervous about that, you know, him being my spiritual director. And, and he was really the core content message. You know, his, his uh, talk was the, really the heart, the theological heart of, of the message. So his was very important that we start off right. So we ended up having to skip the first break. And I was the, uh, the MC, so I did my best to try to squeeze time. And me, along with Kevin uh, Williams, another gentleman on the committee who really did so well in logistics and keeping the thing going and, and just taking care of so many great details and tracking the schedule and I mean, all the guys did did a lot of work. Kevin, I really appreciate and respect because he put so much of personal effort and time into this event, and it really paid off. He did such a wonderful job, so I'm so very thankful for him. So, Kevin, if you're listening, God bless you, man. You did wonderful. You did really, really great. But, uh, yeah, so the day went very, very well. Father Chavez, you know, knocked the ball out of the park. We had several other smaller talks from uh, some deacons and some priests who came to talk about what they're doing in the diocese and how these guys can plug into what, what's going on. You know, we had a, a priest from the local seminary talking about the formation of men. We had uh, a deacon from the permanent diaconate program doing the same, but for, for the deacons. And then we had a priest from a local retreat center, Father Joe Moons. Oh, he's, he runs an excellent retreat center here with the Passionist Fathers, and uh, we let him get up there and talk about that. And we had a witness talk from uh, a deacon from our parish, Deacon Tom McNear. And Deacon talked about how he has set his career before his family, and really before God, and, uh, and how he had to come around, and how he had to be converted of that. And the deacon's been a deacon for over 30 years, been married 44 years. So the guys could really relate to what Deacon Tom had to say. And I think they really plugged into that, and that was really great to see. So, like I said, this, the speeches, the talks, they were wonderful. We wrapped the day up with Danny Abramowitz. He's a, a former NFL player. He was an all-time leading receiver, I believe, back in the 60s, and he played with the New Orleans Saints. Now, Danny is traveling the country doing men's ministry. He's actually trying to get to as many of these men's events as possible, and he's sharing the, the, the message of and the life experience that he brings about getting your priorities straight. And he did a wonderful job. He really let us have it. We asked him, you know, we told him, look, Danny, it's halftime. We're in the locker room and we're losing. You're the coach. Let us have it. And he did just that. And it came out awesome. You know, not to mention, I haven't even mentioned the fact that we had we had mass with Cardinal Donardo. I mean, Cardinal Donardo, he is a he is a, a superstar archbishop. He is a wonderful shepherd. And we are so very blessed to have him come to our event. 
and give a homily. It was really pretty phenomenal. He even told us a story that he had been invited to hang out with the, the circus the day before the event. Barnum and Bailey Circus was in town, and they had asked him to come by, and so he got a tour of the place, and what he discovered was that the workers, the majority of the workers, are Catholics. They come from Eastern Bloc countries, they come from Southern America countries, and the sad thing is they don't have access to the sacraments like you and I do. They're always traveling, they're always on the road. He did say there was a sister who was traveling with them to give them some religious education, but outside of that, they, they didn't really get to have Mass as often as you and I do. And he felt, you know, he should do something about that. And so I thought that was, uh, you know, pretty neat to see him say, you know, look, I, I'm going to try to do something about that. And I was very inspired by that. But his homily was wonderful. He, he really does a fantastic job of cracking open the gospel and sharing it and breaking it down so that it's digestible to you and I and inspiring to you and I. He, he really is good at that. And the way he incorporated our Blessed Lady into a men's day of prayer. You know, pointing us guys, reprioritizing us guys back to, you know, going to our mother to lead us to her son. It was phenomenal. It was really, really great to see. So overall, it was a wonderful day. We had a great time. As the MC, I only, I, I really stumbled only really one time that, that, that really made me feel bad anyway. And that was over my own deacon, Deacon Tom Vigneer from my own parish. That was a little embarrassing. I was struggling to find his, his biography on, on my podium. And so there was a few seconds there where I felt the heat of the spotlight a little bit. But outside of that, it went all pretty well. I was able to survive the day, and everybody had a great time. We went away, we had lunch together, and really enjoyed ourselves. So praise God and amen. He really blessed us with a great Archdiocesan Men's Day of Prayer. Well, that's going to do it for today. We're going to wrap the show up. We had a lot of material to cover today. I'm so very thankful for Craig calling in and sharing World Youth Day with us. What a blessing that was, Craig. Thank you so much. Kevin, it was great to hear from you, and I hope you all enjoyed the interview with Patrick Madrid. Please stop by the blog at www.catholichack.com. There you can pick up t-shirts, buy some books, and give us a review. I'm praying for you, so please pray for me. May God richly bless you. God bless. The Catholic Hack, the best in parking lot podcasting.